You know, Israel traveled to many places as they headed towards the Promised Land. It was really only a 14-day journey, but it was a problem turned into 40 years. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. My name is Rod Him, And I'm Janice. And this is, of course, Bible Discovery TV, where we are learning more about the Bible, and today we will do so. Corey is here with Ryan. What's going on, Corey? I'm going to take a look at very specific ancient jewelry today. Ryan? Here's a question for us. Why was God angry with Balaam for going to Balak when it was God who gave him permission to go to him in the first place? Wow. That's here, there, no, everywhere. Very interesting. Now, Janice, what are you going to do today? Today, following God at any age. All right, very good. That is excellent. As we begin to open our Bible and look at Numbers chapter 33, let's focus on what God is telling Israel, what's going on, because the Lord is speaking. The Bible is the most important book of all. Get it out. Get your Bible guide out, and let's study what God has said to us. Numbers 33, verses 15 through 39. They departed from Rephidim and camped in the wilderness of Sinai. They moved from the wilderness of Sinai and camped at Kibroth Hateavah. They departed from Kibroth Hateavah and camped at Haziroth. They departed from Haziroth and camped at Rithmah. They departed from Rithma and camped at Rimon Pires. They departed from Rimon Pires and camped at Libna. They moved from Libna and camped at Rissa. They journeyed from Rissa and camped at Kihaleth. They went from Kihaleth and camped at Mount Shefer. They moved from Mount Shefer and camped at Hereda. They moved from Hereda and camped at Machiloth. They moved from Machiloth and camped at Tehath. They departed from Tehath and camped at Terah. They moved from Terah and camped at Mithkah. They went from Mithkah and camped at Hashmona. They departed from Hashmona and camped at Mosiroth. They departed from Mosiroth and camped at Benijakin. They moved from Benijakin and camped at Hor Hagagad. They went from Hor Hagagad and camped at Jothbatha. They moved from Jothbatha and camped at Abrona. They departed from Abrona and camped at Ezion-Geber. They moved from Ezion-Geber and camped in the wilderness of Zin, which is Kadesh. They moved from Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor on the boundary of the land of Edom. Then Aaron the priest went up to Mount Hor at the command of the Lord, and he died there in the fortieth year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt on the first day of the fifth month. Aaron was 123 years old when he died on Mount Hor. Numbers chapter 33, verses 15 through 39. 
You know, there are two things we can always count on. One of them is the names in the Bible are very, very interesting. Today we're going to try to read some, but our North American tongue is somewhat weak as we study Numbers chapter 32 to 33. You know, many times we forget how far we have come. God knows our lives from beginning to end. He should or we should keep that in mind when we pray. The Lord knew the places that the nation of Israel would be moving. And he knew the times that they would remain stationary. In the wilderness, he was teaching them that he was somebody different and that he would not change. Now remember that nothing is a surprise to God. There's nothing that surprises him. He knows all things about me. He knows all things about you. He knows where we will live and how we will grow. And when our life weakens, our physical life, God knows when and how we will finally see him with nothing to impede our feelings or our perceptions. God knows all. Yet he still lets us decide. The patience of his divine mind is absolutely stunning and remarkable. He knows how fickle we are, how prone to sin we are, and yet he is willing to work with us. Let us remember that all things that are good, all things that are eternal, are truly God's. I'm telling you right now, God owns all of that. And to see his patience in working with us and uh, his patience in how we do things is absolutely amazing. Now, if you have your Bible guide, turn to today's passage as we read the journey reviewed from Numbers chapter 33. This is fascinating from 15 to 39. And if you don't have a Bible guide, write for yours or call for yours, or you can go to Bible Discovery TV and click on the page and uh, it will take you to the page where you can download it as we printed it free and be a part of this. You're seconds away from getting a hold of uh, what we're doing. Father, I pray today as we go through this passage that you would help us to read the names and help us, Lord, to focus on all of the things necessary that we can hear what you're saying today in the name of Jesus Christ. And we said together, amen and amen. Now, remember, my North American tongue is what it is, so I'm just going to do the best I can, but just to let you know how we go. Numbers 33, beginning with verse 15 says, they departed from Rephidim and camped in the wilderness of Sinai. They moved from the wilderness of Sinai and camped at Kibroth, Hatavah. And they departed from Kibroth, Hatavah and camped at Hazoreth. And departed from Hazoreth and camped at Rithmah. They departed from Rithmah and camped at Remian Perez. They departed from Rimeon Perez and camped at Libna. They moved from Libna and camped at Rizha or Rizha. Now this is fascinating. Listen carefully. Israel traveled to many places as they headed towards the promised land. Jesus Christ will take us the best way to discover who he is as we follow him. God doesn't take us places just because we need to do that or whatever. He takes us places where we can hear him. And sometimes we have to move into a place where we can hear him better. 
where the things on the outside aren't interfering. And beloved, that takes place. So we don't move because we want to move, but we move because God has chosen a path for us. So keep that in mind. And I, I have very much familiarity with that because I moved many times when I was a child. Very interesting. Sometimes they were not good. Sometimes they were perfect. Now let's go to Numbers chapter 33, verse 22. They journeyed from Rizah and camped at Kahalath-ah. And they went from Kahalath-ah and camped at Mount Shefer. They moved from Mount Shefer and camped at Herodah. They moved from Herodah and camped at Mechalath. They moved from Mechalath and camped at Tehoth. They moved from Tehoth and camped at Terah. They moved from Terah and camped at Mithkah. And they went from Mithkah and camped at Hajmona. And they departed from Hajmona and camped at Morsiroth. They departed from Morsiroth and camped at Bani Jakan. And they moved from Bani Jakan and camped at Hor Haggadath. And they went from Hor Haggadath and camped at Jotbathna. And they moved from Jotbatha and camped at Abrona. And they departed from Abrona and camped at Ezen Geber. And they moved from Ezen Geber and camped in the wilderness of Zin, which is Kadesh. They moved from Kadesh and camped at Mount Hor, the boundary of the land of Edom. What does this mean? The second point. Israel turned what should have been an 11-day journey into 40 years of wandering. It is much easier to follow the Lord than to rebel against his word and his way. Let, let me tell you something. There were times when uh, we were going from here to there, and I thought, why are we doing this? And then I would get to those places and realize, okay, God had to show me some things here and show me some things there. And, you know, it's because I'm a person who I just go and do things fast and all of that. And because of that, that becomes a problem. And we need to make sure that we pay attention to what the Lord says to us. What is he saying to us now? And let's pay attention to that because that gets interesting. All right, a couple of more verses. Chapter 38 and 39. Then Aaron the priest went up to Mount Hor at the command of the Lord and died there in the 40th year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt. On the first day of the fifth month, Aaron was 123 years old when he died on Mount Hor. This is interesting. Aaron died in the wilderness, and he never made it to the promised land. Now, listen carefully. We must never ignore God in our lives, beloved. Never ignore God when he speaks to us, teaching us every single day. You know, God has a way that he teaches us. He has a way that he speaks to us. And every person in the world is uniquely different. God's relationship to that person is uniquely different. And we need to understand that God has ways he talks to us. So, Holy Spirit, help us to know the way that you speak to us. 
and help us to hear you. We probably won't, but help us, Lord, to just soften all of the voices around and let's listen to what you say. In the name of Jesus Christ, and we all said together, amen and amen. What does God say? It's in his word. My recommendation is you join us. Get the Bible guide. Get the Bible, the most important book you'll ever read, and learn how the Holy Spirit speaks. That's very, very important today. Jesus Christ spoke to us and told us not to be afraid, not to be troubled by these times. This is the beginning of the end. This is the beginning of God's final reconciliation with the world. God is going to make things change in our lives, and this is very important. He has selected you and myself to live in this time, and I find that absolutely amazing. Today, you know, we're getting close to the end of the book of Numbers and the beginning of the book of Deuteronomy. So I wanted to put a segment in here that takes a look at uh, some silver scroll amulets that were found uh, in ancient Israel in an archeological excavation, but they meld portions of Numbers and Deuteronomy and some Psalms and Proverbs as well uh, into a very interesting arrangement. Take a look. In 1979, the now-famous silver scroll amulets of Ketef Hinnom were discovered. The tiny amulets were found as they were left thousands of years prior, as burial gifts in a bone repository dating from the 7th century BC. They were finely crafted and rolled up like scrolls with space left down their middles for a necklace. At barely an inch tall, these scrolls took considerable work by conservationists to open, and when they did, the fine artistry involved in their creation became apparent. Though damaged, experts are confident that the scrolls originally contained 18 and 19 lines of Hebrew script, meaning the letters themselves are mere millimeters across, etched onto the surface of the silver by hand. Each amulet contained the priestly blessing of number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The first amulet also had a portion of Deuteronomy 7.9 incorporated into it. With a firm date of the late 7th century BC for these amulets, biblically speaking, during the lifetime of King Josiah and the early life of the prophet Jeremiah, they quickly came to the forefront of biblical studies. They contained the earliest example of biblical text in an extra-biblical document. This firmly establishes an earlier date for the composition of the Bible than many people would care to admit. If these Bible verses were being copied onto costly jewelry before the destruction of Jerusalem by Babylon, then the biblical text itself was also written before this point. The similarity of the amulets to the Hebrew text that now exists, though thousands of years separate them, also testify to the accuracy of Jewish scribes through time. These mini silver scrolls are also a witness to and seem to fulfill their ancient owner's rather literal interpretation of Psalm 12 verse 6. The words of the Lord are pure words, like silver tried in a furnace of earth, purified seven times. You shall keep them, O Lord. You shall preserve them from this generation forever. 
I really find this uh, these artifacts interesting for a few different reasons. One of them is that it really humanizes these ancient people who wore them. I mean, how many of us today uh, have scripture that is really important to us that we have, you know, whether it's in our journals or our daytimes or in our Bibles, uh, you know, just different areas that it's really not for anyone else to read. These silver scrolled amulets wouldn't have been unrolled and read regularly, but it, it, it was there for the knowledge of the wearers. It was there to remind them of the scripture and to remind them of God's blessing. Uh, so that has a really interesting humanizing element to it, but it also lets us know that during the time period of the Kings, these scriptures from Numbers and Deuteronomy and even the Psalms uh, and Proverbs, uh, they were important in the lives of the priests of Israel. Uh, so it, it, these are all very interesting things to know. Yeah, and, and the, the scriptures are personally for us one-on-one, -on -one, but yet at the same time, and you look at the law and you can see this, when God called the Levites to be mm -hmm. his priest, and he said, you know, your inheritance will not be of the land, but your inheritance is of me, but I want you to remember this and remember that. You'd have to, you'd have to understand and memorize that scripture and know that scripture. Mm -hmm for you. Mm -hmm. And then there would be other scripture that you had, like the preparing of the offerings and everything else for the people. And so there was a big job, actually. Um, and there was apprenticeship involved in all of that. So that becomes very interesting. And, and really, it's not unusual from today. Uh, we need to think about pastors and churches. They need to focus on reading the scripture. Thank you, Corey. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Brian? Yeah, well, I know our reading is Numbers 32 to 33, but I want to turn back to Numbers 22 today because some people get kind of confused about what's going on in this chapter, especially in regard to God's anger towards Balaam. And since it has been a few days since we read this chapter, let me just give you a, a quick overview of the situation. So in this chapter, Israel has set up camp in the plains of Moab, and the king of the Moabites, Balak, sees this, and he's filled with dread because the Israelites had just defeated their Amorite neighbors. So Balak decides to summon Balaam, a prophet whose blessings and curses on people seem to be effective. Not surprisingly, God doesn't give Balaam permission to go to Balak and curse Israel. But King Balak is persistent and sends a second group of messengers to Balaam. As he did with the first group of messengers, Balaam tells the men to stay the night so he can consult with God once more. This time, God's answer is different. He says to Balaam, If the men come to call you, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that sh you shall do. Then the Bible says, So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with the princes of Moab. And then God's anger was aroused because he went. And the angel of the Lord took his stand in the way as an adversary against him. So this last part is the part that's confused some people because it seems that God grants Balaam permission to go to Balak, but then gets angry with him for going. So how do we resolve this apparent issue? Check it out. When prophet for hire Balaam is sought out by Balak, king of the Moabites, to come and curse Israel, God strictly forbids Balaam, saying, You shall not go with them, you shall not curse the people, for they are blessed. But Balak, desperate and refusing to give up, sends for him again. Balaam's response to the king's men is the same. You also stay here tonight, that I may know what more the Lord will say to me. But this time the Lord's response is different. If the men come to call you, he says, rise and go with them. But only the word which I speak to you, that you shall do. With permission granted, the Bible says, So Balaam rose in the morning, saddled his donkey, and went with them. 
Then God's anger was aroused because he went. The big question that's often raised here is if God gave Balaam permission to go to Balak, then why was he angry with him for going? Actually, the solution is in the text itself. In fact, it hinges on the tiny two-letter word if in verse 20. It's very easy to read through God's instructions and miss the condition that he placed upon Balaam. Nevertheless, God's stipulation is, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them. And in this, Balaam failed, because he did not wait to see if the men would return to him, but rather eagerly sought them out. Confusion can arise here if it is assumed that the men were staying in Balaam's own tent, because it virtually voids God's condition in verse 20, since their calling on him in the morning would be unavoidable. But in reality, with such a large entourage, there just wouldn't have been enough room for them in Balaam's tent. Thus, they likely stayed in a large camp with many tents. So Balaam knowingly disregarded God's explicit instruction. Even so, God's anger at Balaam was not only that he disobeyed, but also because of why he disobeyed. As Walter C. Kaiser Jr. points out, with King Balak's first inquiry, Balaam rightly replies that the Lord refused him permission to go with them to curse Israel. What Balaam had artfully neglected to mention was God's reason for refusing, because Israel is blessed. Mentioning this just might have ended the Moabites' attempts to curse a people God blessed. But Balaam apparently was playing both sides of the street on this one. He deliberately left the door open, perhaps hoping that he could somehow benefit from such a highly visible ministry. Both 2 Peter 2.15 and Jude 11 confirm that Balaam was a man who ran greedily for profit and loved the wages of unrighteousness. And this sinful lifestyle is what stirred up the holy and righteous and justified anger of God. So God gave Balaam a condition which he failed to meet. And that condition was, if the men come to call you, rise and go with them. The problem is that in some versions of the Bible, this condition of God gets lost in translation because the word if has been changed to a different word. And this is where the confusion comes. But make no mistake, God does place a condition on Balaam here, and Balaam disobeys that condition. Balaam was more eager to make a prophet than to serve God. And for this, his disobedience and love for unrighteous prophet, God's anger was rightfully aroused. Yeah, it's really true, Ryan. That is excellent. Very good. Janice? Well, in this chapter, Numbers chapter 33, it's a review of all of the places that Israel went in their journey from Egypt. And I have to apologize, too, for the reading of God's Word on today's program with all of the different names of the places. My goodness, my English tongue just gets wrapped around some of these um, uh, words and how to pronounce them. But I know you have grace with me. Thank you very much. You know, I, as I was looking at this verse, when we read in, in verse 38, it says, Then Aaron the priest went up to Mount Hor at the command of the Lord and died there in the fortieth year after the children of Israel had come out of the land of Egypt. Aaron was 123 years old when he died on Mount Hor. So in my mind, I thought, oh my goodness. So if we take 123 years old and we back 40 years out of it, that means that Aaron would have been 83 years old when they left Egypt. And a lot of us, when we're 83, think that we're done, that we are just, you know, we can sit and be retired and not do anything. And yes, 
those of you that are at that age, you certainly have deserved and you have worked very hard through your whole life. But that doesn't mean that you're finished. It means that you can now shift into the area and into the season of life that God has called you. That's the reason why I said following God at any age. You know, we can look at our seniors and recognize the fact that God has called you to a very different place than where you were perhaps in your 20s or your 30s. I also, we have the opportunity uh, on, on Wednesdays to, to teach a children's uh, Bible class, and I teach a Puggles class, and if some of you don't know, because I didn't, a Puggle is, is a baby platypus, and they are, uh, one of them that we have is only one years old, and the oldest is two. We have four of them in the class, and we are teaching them how to follow God. So it's really from the beginning of life to the end of life. We can follow God at any age, and He is delighted with that. You know, in thinking about that, I love to read through the letters that we get through you that come here uh, to not only read through them, uh, to be encouraged by them, but to also pray with you. And as I was preparing this segment today, two women came into my mind, two wonderful partners that we have here up in Canada and both of them ladies and they are in their 90s and each one of them separate from each other because they live in different retiring uh, retirement homes one said that she has such a passionate firing up for the Lord Jesus Christ and she is in her 90s and I thought isn't that amazing and remember I read it to the the other day I was sitting at our kitchen table signing letters and then the other one had said to pray for her that at 93 or 94 it was either 93 or 94 years old that she is in her retirement home and she wanted the Holy Spirit to help to give her strength to be a witness to the other people that she lives with. And I thought, my goodness, isn't that just amazing? In, in your 90s, on fire for the Lord, both of you ladies, thank you so very much for the testimony of your lives. You are bright shining lights for the Lord Jesus Christ. And I wanna say thank you very much for the testimony of your life. And glancing down today, I see that we're taping, and it's Monday, February the 14th, where a lot of people celebrate Valentine's Day on this day. My question to you is, who does your heart truly belong to? Does it belong to the Lord Jesus Christ? See what your answer is. If not, I challenge you. Thank you for joining us today in the program. I want to remind you three times a week at 3.30 Eastern time, that's the same time as New York City, 3.30 to 4.30, we pray for you live. Join us and we will pray for you on Facebook, YouTube, or Bible Discovery TV. Today we need to pray and let's pray this way and say, Lord, I must be patient. I must learn from you 
every day of my life. So help me to do that and to be patient in Jesus' name.